I'm Pastor Matt Castro here at Redeemer Fellowship Church. I'm the pastor of teaching and vision here, and I'll be preaching from Galatians chapter 6 uh, this morning. Um, so if you have a Bible, Galatians chapter 6, this is the last sermon in our Galatians series. And so it's been an interesting series to go through the book of Galatians as we move closer to Easter. Um, and so Galatians chapter 6, the title of the sermon is The Only Thing That Matters. The only thing that matters. And kind of a big idea, kind of a main idea, big idea for this sermon is, is how do we grow as individuals who take advantage of opportunities to do good for others? That's kind of the, the main idea of this sermon. And before we get into Galatians chapter 6, I want to kind of introduce this sermon and this teaching by talking about two articles that I read this past week in the Wall Street Journal. One was written by David Burns. David Burns is a musician who is a part of the, the band Talking Heads. He uh, actually um, was on Broadway uh, with a Broadway show called American Utopia. One of uh, two of his songs uh, he performed on SNL a few weeks ago. One of the songs, Toe Jam, is a great little tune. Um, but David Burns wrote an article, and, and it was a part of the, an edition of the Wall Street Journal last weekend on how will the pandemic change our world? What will the world look like after this pandemic, this crisis? And he, he titled his essay or article, Connect, Connect, and Connect. And he asked some interesting questions in his article. He says, is there something we can learn from this? Something that will allow us to better weather the next crisis? Some different way of being that might make us stronger? change our thinking, change our behavior. Are we capable of doing that? It's a very insightful question that David Burns asked. Can we change our way of being, change in thinking and behavior? Are we capable of this change? And one of the major emphasis of his articles is to value community, to value other people that surround us, that are in our lives. Is this opportunity to see that we really are all connected and adjust our behavior, behavior accordingly? Will our hearts be changed, adjusted by this pandemic? When this is all over, when the dust has settled, will our hearts be changed? Will our behavior be changed? Will our values be shifted or adjusted? Is this an opportunity for change? that will make you, me, or us value others more. Another article written in the Wall Street Journal this past weekend was a, an article entitled Habits of Kindness That Will Endure by Jamel Zaki. And the question that is presented in this article is, will this crisis give us perspective on the priority of intimacy and relationships in the midst of work and busyness? Will we now start to prioritize people? Will we, be able, will we prioritize relationships and intimacy in the midst of our busyness, in the midst of our work? Or compassion over control with authority or power? Or empathy over indifference and in people's struggles and pains? Will we change? Will our behaviors change? Will our priorities change? Will they be shifted? Irvin Staub and Joanne, uh, Joanne Ray Volhart, uh, psychologists, call this development altruism born of suffering. 
Victor Frankl, a famous author and Holocaust survivor, famously wrote, Suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds a meaning, such as the meaning of sacrifice. So some may see this pandemic as an opportunity to reboot their lives. Maybe you listening at home see this crisis as an opportunity to build a new normal, to shift values. But as David Byrne wrote in his essay, are you capable of this change, this shift in behavior? Can a new habit of kindness truly endure? Are we capable of this change? And are we capable to, uh, to endure during difficult, difficult times? Is our new habit of kindness, will it endure? The, kind, the context of Galatians 6 is, uh, is Paul... The writer here, the Apostle Paul, is writing to the church of, of, of Galatia, the Galatian church, encouraging his spiritual family that they have freedom in Christ Jesus from the Jewish law and the struggle for salvation and redemption by their good works and moralism. There is salvation in no one else, so there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter and, James, uh, Peter and John say in Acts 4.12 before the Sanhedrin, there is no salvation in anyone else. And Paul is encouraging his brothers and sisters in Galatia to realize that there is no salvation in anyone else. There's no salvation in the law, only in Christ. For there's no freedom in life outside of Christ Jesus. Either you're a slave to sin and working to obtain salvation from sin, guilt, shame, regret, or you're free in Christ. From sin and perfection, doing everything right to the law. He encourages them to take hold of their freedom in Christ, stop living to the law, and live now by the Holy Spirit that is in you, the supernatural presence of God in you. If you live according to the supernatural presence of God in you, you will produce the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. The law is shown even here to be powerless to produce these virtues. It has nothing to say to constrain the vices that Paul mentions, mentions in Galatians 5. You're free to do these things with no hindrances, no restrictions. We have no speed limit sign. So open the taps, give it the beans, let the V8 engine roar, the passions and desires of your flesh have been crucified if you belong to Christ. We are now free to produce fruit of the Spirit. These virtues that Paul mentions in Galatians chapter 5. When you walk in the Spirit, not self-effort, you will then produce these virtues, which are the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And with that... The fruit of the Spirit, which are produced again by walking in the Spirit, are tried, tied to valuing, supporting, and caring for others. And Paul really gets to the idea of caring for others and valuing others and supporting others in uh, verse 25 of chapter 5 to the end of chapter 6. Therefore, you're capable to care for others and endure in that caring when you're walking in the Spirit of God. So the, the, really this sermon is like one point and a few sub-points, a few sub-points uh, uh, that really support the main point. And the main point is, if you are free in Christ, 
and live by the Spirit. Walk step by step with the Spirit. And so right now we're going to look at chapter 5, 25 through 26, because really chapter 6 really starts in verse 25. 25 really goes along well with the chapter 6 of Galatians. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, and envying one another. To walk, to walk, by the, walk step by step with the Spirit, you must boast only in the cross. So Paul is saying here, if you live by the Spirit, if your life is sanctified, if your new state of being, your new normal, is you are been renewed by Christ, you have been you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, you live by the Spirit of God, the Spirit is working in you, this is your new normal. Paul already said in Galatians 3.3, you've already begun by the Spirit. You've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has transformed your life. You've been regenerated by the Spirit. You are a new creation by the Spirit. You're a child of God by the Spirit. Richard Graham, who was a Puritan in the 1560s, says, Above all gifts in the world, this is the gift of gift, the Spirit of God. This is the top. This is the head. This is the height. This is the depth of all good things, even the Spirit. Without the Spirit, the Word is as the bright sun to a blind man. True it is, the sun is bright, but what is that, a what is that to a blind man? True it is, the Word is glorious, but what is that a man without the Spirit of God? Without the Spirit, we're unable to understand the gospel. We're, able, we're unable to believe and trust and put our faith in the gospel of Christ. To live by the Spirit is the greatest form of living, more than wealth, power, wisdom, fame, pleasure, or health. Walking by the Spirit, living in the Spirit. So Paul says here, uh, living by the Spirit, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What does he mean by that? He's saying walk step by step with the Spirit. The word here is such a great word. It's only found four times in the New Testament. Is the image of soldiers marching step by step in consistent order, conforming to one another's pace and form. My wife, Lisa, was a part of the Pride of the Southland band at the University of Tennessee. And I always enjoyed watching the band march onto the field because they always were marching in unison. They were consistent. They were conformed their steps to one another walking step by step in consistent order to one another as one, like an orchestra playing in the same tune with one another. This is what Paul is illustrating, is this consistency, this conforming to one another. And what Paul is meaning here is that we are conformed to the Spirit. We walk in step with the Spirit, keeping in step by step with the Spirit, conforming our lives to the Spirit. And when we do that, we produce fruit of the Spirit. Not becoming conceited, provoking one another, and envying one another. He says, he says here in verse 26, if we're living by the Spirit, if we're marching and walking in step with the Spirit, we will not uh, become conceited or provoking one another or envying, envying one another. How do you, me, and us march in step with the Spirit? We can talk about the Spirit. We can talk about Christ. We can talk about the cross. But when the Bible says, walk in step with the Spirit, how do we do that? 
Not by self-effort, not by the law. Paul's been saying this since, since chapter 1. The law has no impact, no effect, no power. It gives you no ability to be faithful and to walk with the Spirit. It has no power to save you. It has no power to sanctify you. How do you, me, and us march in step with the Spirit? Paul even says in chapter 3, verse 3 of Galatians, not being perfected by the flesh, the flesh, the law, self-effort, and wisdom do not make us march in step with the Spirit. Not by self-effort, not by self, the law, moralism, are powerless to help us. So what must we do? Paul says, I'm going to kind of forward here a little bit, going to flash forward here in verse, uh, in verse 13. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but their desire is to have you circumcised, they may boast in your flesh. Verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is, Paul is boasting in nothing else except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The enemies of Paul and really opponents to the gospel and the church boast in their devotion to the law so that they may win the favor and praise of others. That's what Paul is, is arguing uh, against. He's telling the Galatian church not to be hindered, not to be swayed by false teachers who are, who are boasting in themselves, boasting in their devotion to the law, to win favor and the praise of others. And Paul's desire here is to, pers- is to persuade the Galatians not to follow that example. Don't follow their example of boasting in themselves, boasting in your works, boasting in your devotion to the law. Their motive is not obedience to God, but stroking their ego. Therefore, since they have rejected the cross of Christ, they remain unaffected by the benefits of the cross. So Paul prays that he may boast only in the cross of Christ, Jesus our Lord. Why does he do this? Because he says nothing else under heaven has been given by God to bring righteousness, to be guilt-free before God, except the cross of Christ. Freedom to live, not held down by the law or the passions of the flesh, the Spirit is supplied to us through the cross of Christ. Hence why Paul says, I boast in nothing else but the cross of Christ. When you and I boast only in the cross of Christ, we recognize the source of our salvation and power in the Spirit. Jesus says in John 16, before Christ, Jesus is betrayed and arrested and crucified, speaking and teaching to his disciples in John 16, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will glorify Christ. For the Holy Spirit will take what is Christ and declare it to you. The Spirit will apply the power of the cross in your life. When we make the cross the focus of our lives, we will remain in step with the Spirit. You who boast in the cross... Paul says in verse 15 of Galatians chapter 6, are new creations. Verse 15, for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. 
when we boast in the cross, the cross makes us new creation. Circumcision doesn't do this. The law does not do this. Only the cross. This is why Paul says there's nothing else boasting in, in except the cross. The power of the cross of Christ inaugurate, inaugurates a new age. The law, circumcision, is a part of the old age, the old world. The cross has destroyed this old age, this old world. The cross has initiated the dawning of a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 14-21. This is also Paul writing to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14-21. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. For now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When we live for Christ now, when we are in Christ, you have died to the world and are new creations in Christ. Christ is the new Adam. He is the first and head of a new creation. And if you boast in the cross of Christ, you're a new creation in him and with him. When you march in step with the Spirit, you produce the fruit of the Spirit and live in the freedom of the reconciliation you have with God in Christ. God is making his appeal through you as an ambassador of reconciliation to the world of the message of reconciliation and freedom and the dawning of a new age. The cross of Christ alone accomplishes this. Hence why Paul desires to boast in nothing else. Because as you write, as he writes here, as Paul writes here, nothing else counts for anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. This is essential for you and I as we pursue a life that follows in step with the Spirit, a life that reflects our identity as a new creation in Christ, no longer as you and I who are in Christ trying to strive to make ourselves righteous through adherence to the law, to the written law, which counts for nothing. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through the law. Faith in the cross. Faith, faith in the cross of Christ. It is what gives us the Holy Spirit. It is what makes us a new creation in Christ. But instead, we now live by the Spirit because of our trust and faith in the cross of Christ alone. Because you are a new creation by your faith in the cross of Christ. You're capable to walk and step with the Spirit and live by the Spirit. The Spirit being a gift of the new creation. If you are a new creation in Christ, you have the Spirit. 
You who are new creations have the unending peace and mercy of God in your life. He says this in verse 16. And as for all who walk by this rule, the rule that you are new creations by the cross of Christ, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. God's peace and mercy will always belong to those who walk according to the rule of the new creation. The comfort and freedom of knowing the unending and unlimited peace and mercy of God will always be with those who boast in the cross of Christ and are new creations in Christ. Comfort of knowing you don't have to earn comfort through wealth accusation. Freedom of knowing you don't have to fear the judgment of God because of your inability to follow his law perfectly, but can live with peace and light of God's boundless grace for you. In light of this truth, you're empowered by the Spirit to walk step by step with the Spirit. For since you, you boast only in the cross and are new creations, having the unending peace and mercy of God in your life, walk step by step with the Spirit. And if you're living and walking and marching step by step in the Spirit in light of the truth that you boast in the cross, that you're new creations in Christ, that you have the unending peace and mercy of God in your life, Live free to restore others who are struggling in sin. He says this in verse 1 of Galatians chapter 6. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him the spirit of gentleness. When we understand that God's mercy and peace are on our lives, that we're new creations in Christ, that we boast in the cross and when the cross indwells us with his Holy Spirit, and we are free to live in the Spirit, then we are encouraged and compelled to restore others who are struggling to sin, to gently restore those who are struggling in sin, building them up through encouragement from God's word, not rejoicing in their failure or their fallingness into sin and their stumbling and their struggle. But we rebuild them. We rebuild what has been broken. We care for those who have fallen behind. All are children of the promise, right? Those who have put their trust in Christ are all children of the promise. If those who are children of the promise are struggling in sin, we don't rejoice in their struggle. We don't, we don't envy them. We look to restore them. When one falls, we must come alongside and restore them to health. 2 Timothy 3.16 says the word of God is inspired by God. All scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable. Right? It's profitable. In people's lives, to encourage them, to restore them in the faith, to correct them, to teach them. Not envying by finding joy in the embarrassment of others, but mourning their sin and seeking to care for them to restoration. When you're walking in step with the Spirit, you care for nothing for being perceived as better than brother or sister in the faith. You carry only for their sin. You don't want to be perceived that you're better than someone else. You don't, want to, you don't want to be perceived as better than someone else because someone has fallen into sin, comparing yourself to others. But your emphasis and your priority by walking in the Spirit is to care for the one who is struggling in sin and caring for their soul. You're also lived, you're free to, to bear the burdens of others in verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
Burdens here are sicknesses, financial struggle, helping with the struggles of other believers. That through love, we serve one another. We are free, Paul says in Galatians 5, 13 through 14, that we are free in Christ to love and to serve one another. And this is how we, again, are walking in step with the Spirit, not focused on our own comfort and in our own ease, by the needs and struggles of their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We are focused on the needs and struggles of others. Not our own comfort, not our own ease, not our own pleasures. But we are focused on the struggles and needs of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And never do we believe ourselves better than the other because we had to help them in their struggle with sin or with their burden. If they're struggling financially, if they're struggling, struggling physically, we don't think of ourselves better because we have to help them. No, we bear their burden, knowing that we're all equal in Christ, that we're all children of the promise, and we are called because we live by the Spirit and we are marching in step with the Spirit. We carry each other's burdens. A life in the Spirit is not a life of conceitedness and pride, thinking yourself better or more holy than the other. We're also free to live by sharing with others in needs. And, and really kind of verse 6 and onward is really the context of generosity and sharing with others. He says here in verse 6 that we are to, uh, to share and support teachers of the word, pastors, missionaries, those who, who are teaching us the word of God. We should share with them. We should support them financially. We should be generous givers. The sign of the Spirit's work in your life is generosity. When you are generous with your money, when you're generous with your time, when you're generous with your abilities and your skills, you are, these are signs of the Spirit's work in you. And so we should sow in the Spirit. We should sow generosity. And we sow generosity in the Spirit, we reap eternal life, he says in verse 8. The context of giving to others is a sign of, of the Spirit's work in us, the sign of keeping in step with the Spirit. Um, I want to kind of praise my grandfather, Paul Royal, during this time. He is always calling my family to ask if we need anything when he goes to Costco or goes to the store. Uh, and recently he told me this story that there's a neighbor that lives in his complex who doesn't have a lot of money. And, and so he went off. Um, he went, the guy didn't ask him to do this. Uh, my grandfather went to Costco, bought some toilet paper for him, uh, and, and gave this to him because the guy is in a, in, a, in a wheelchair. He's unable to get out. He doesn't have a lot of money. And during this time, with very little toilet paper, very limited resources, uh, like basic needs that are hard to find at the store, my grandfather got up early in the morning and went and bought this for his for, to his neighbor. This is the context of God's Spirit working in people's lives when we're generous with people, when we care for people. The Spirit manifesting itself in us when we show generosity, when we show care, when we show support for others. A heart that does not sow in the Spirit through generous giving exposes itself as at a step with the Spirit, not conforming to the Spirit being inconsistent with the steps of the Spirit. The last thing that Paul says here in verse 9 and 10 is that we are now free to live, to do good to everyone. And he says this, tells us not to grow weary doing good. 
Do not become discouraged in doing good, caring for people, taking care of the needs of others. We are to walk in step with the Spirit by doing good and not growing weary in doing good. And not being discouraged or frustrated with others, but to care for them and support them and be generous with them. And not be weary into always looking for opportunities to, good, to, to do good. And when we do good to others, I really want to emphasize this point. When we do good to others, when we care for them, when we give to them, when we're generous with them, we should not think ourselves better than our brother when we help them. But we should feel blessed to show love to our brothers and sisters by the Spirit that was given to us through the cross of Christ and made and new creation in Christ. Sowing what is good and reaping what is good. Reaping eternal life. Boasting not in the good that we do, but in the Spirit's work in you that was established in you through Christ's work in the cross, on the cross. Let us do good to all while we have opportunities. Let us pray for opportunities to do good. Let us pray that when those opportunities are given, we will walk in step with the Spirit and do good to all, especially the members of the household of faith. We should pray to God that he would give us opportunities to be generous and to care for others. That should be a prayer that we should pray on a regular basis. And when those opportunities are given, we should not grow weary or frustrated when we do good. And we should fulfill those opportunities and walk in step with the Spirit and do good to all. We should walk in step with the Spirit with our money and our resources. Therefore, this is your responsibility as a Christian to walk in step with the Spirit. He makes you capable to do good for others. He makes you endure in doing good for others. The lesson of this crisis, the lesson of the pandemic here, is not how to be more moral or a better person. Because as history has shown from the past crises, humans are unable to change their thinking and behavior indefinitely and endure in those changes to the end of life. You need a heart that is only given through the cross of Christ and affected by the Spirit in your life, which establishes your freedom for moralism and religiosity and makes you a new creation that is always in peace and mercy of God, which then compels us to walk step by step in the Spirit. Walking in step with the Spirit, which, gives, which is given to those who boast in the cross and are made new creations. By the Holy Spirit. I want to read this poem to conclude our time. It's a poem uh, entitled, No Hope Without Christ's Righteousness. Lord, I would be the most miserable person in the world if my hopes were only in this life. Why? Because I'm hopeless without Christ's righteousness. My life could never be comfortable. And there could be no hope at all of eternal life. If you denied me that hope, I would be the most miserable one of all. I may be happy without worldly enjoyments, but all things in the world cannot make me happy without this. So whatever you treat me in this world, whatever you deny me, Lord, deny me not this. I can be happy without riches and abundance like Job or, or Lazarus were. I can be happy even if I'm reviled and reproached, as was Christ and his disciples. I can be happy and comfortable in prison, as were Paul and Silas. But I cannot be happy without the righteousness of Christ. All the riches, places, or honor on earth will leave me miserable if I am without this. Even if I were rich and needed nothing, without this I would still be 
wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. If I had all the things that a person could desire on earth, what good would it do to me without Christ's righteousness? What would riches do for me if they came with the wrath of God? What comfort would honor bring me if I remained a son of perdition or a child of wrath? What sweetness would there be in pleasure if I were on a path to everlasting torments? What miserable comforts and enjoyments are, the, are these without Christ's righteousness? Lord, however you deal with me in outward things, whatever you take from me, whatever you deny me, do not deny me Christ. Do not deny me a share in his righteousness. Amen. There's a poem by David Clarkson. And during this time, don't concentrate about what lessons you can learn so you can be more moral or be a better person. But during this time, boast in the cross alone. Because by the cross, you were made a new creation. By the cross of Christ, God's peace and mercy are upon you. By the cross of Christ, you're given freedom from the law and moralism. In the cross of Christ, you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You now live by the Spirit. And with the cross, you're capable and you're able to endure, be, to walk and step with the Spirit, to care for others, to, to carry others' burdens, to share with others, to, to restore others when they are struggling in their sins, to, to, to sow in the Spirit, to reap eternal life, to do good for others, and to not grow weary in doing good for others. It's only in the cross of Christ we'll be able to do that, we'll be able to endure in that. So boast in the cross during this crisis. Boast in the cross during this pandemic. And may God give you opportunities to do good. May God give you opportunities to serve those around you. And if you're not a follower of Christ, if you've never trusted in Christ, you've never put your faith in Christ, if you're boasting in other things other than the cross of Christ, I'm going to just compel you and plead with you to turn to Christ, to put your faith in Christ. And if you put your faith in Christ, you will be transformed by His Spirit. You will be transformed by the Holy Spirit. You'll be, uh, you'll be made a new creation in Christ. You will then be free from the law. You'll be free from moralism. You'll be free from re religiosity. And you'll be made anew in Christ alone.